My name is Pastor Susan, and it's so good to see your faces this morning, and it's so glad to know that you're online. Thank you for some of you who texted me and said, I'm online, Pastor Susan. So I'm glad you're there, and I'm glad you're with us. All right, the next three weeks, we are going to do a short sermon series called Empowered, and we're going to meditate on the person of the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit, and why does it matter? Um, for us in our lives. And particularly in three weeks, we will come upon the day celebrated as Pentecost. And on that day, we will have some special things that we're going to get to do with um, all of the vineyard movement in the United States. So I would like to begin by asking you a question and asking you to think about a question, which is, what is one area in your life where you need clarity or revelation from God. Is there an area, probably many, but is there just, can you pick or think of one area in your life where you need revelation, wisdom, clarity from God? And if you'd be willing, would you turn to one or two other people right around you and and share if you can think of, of one? Just take a minute and do that. All right, switch to the other person if you haven't had a chance. All right, let's come back together. I hope that little exercise helped you to be in touch with the fact that we all really need revelation from God, right? Many of us are like, where do I even begin? I need clarity in so many different, very real areas of my life. Today, I want to talk about how the Holy Spirit is the revealer. How the Holy Spirit is a revealer. And according to scripture, this is one of the foundational, premier uh, jobs that the Holy Spirit has. Jesus talks about this this role, this gift of the Holy Spirit in chapter 16. And this is when, to give you some context, this is when Jesus says to his disciples, hey, listen, I'm going to have to leave. And uh, his disciples are freaking out and they're like, what? Don't go. What are you talking about? We're here. We're with you. We're going to kick butt in our society. We're going to take over for your kingdom of God. Your kingdom is going to come. And Jesus is like, hey, listen, it's going to be good for you that I leave because I'm going to leave and I'm going to give you a helper like no other. And it's going to be a really amazing gift to you. So this is the verse in John 16, 13 through 15. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you 
the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So even if every single sentence didn't make sense to you, you're probably getting a sense there's a lot of interweaving of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and one pointing to the other and one making clear what, it, what belongs to the other. There's really an intertwining of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, a beautiful picture of how the Trinity works together. And here, again, one of the Holy Spirit's main jobs is to reveal he is the revealer. He uncovers, unveils, shows us what is previously unknown. And this is so important in this world and maybe in our own little heads and lives where there's often so much confusion, right? So much lack of clarity, lots to misunderstand about who God is, who we are, and what is our purpose, we lose track of these truths that God has given to us. We forget, and so we need that constant revelation of God. And uh, the Holy Spirit will speak prophetically, even to speak about what is to come. The Holy Spirit is our guide into a righteous and good, trusting future. He will make sense of what is to come. He shows us what the Father is doing, and how we can participate in that. That's kind of crazy. He shows us what is to come. And when he does this, he's pointing to the Father and pointing to the fact that the Father is doing something and bringing glory to Jesus in the midst of it. So the path is not a random path. It is not a path that gives glory to me or you or this leader. It gives, it's a righteous path that gives glory to Jesus, who's sent here from God. So I love that, the Holy, that Jesus is talking in this passage about the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is so connected, intertwined with Jesus and the Father. And Jesus, already earlier in his teaching, says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And here he says, what the Holy Spirit is doing is, pointing to me and to the Father. God the Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, all working together in unity. This is something that I love about the Trinity. They're, they're not, uh, there are leaders in this world. In this world, there are many leaders who think that leadership is all about saying, hey, me, me, me. Me, 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 look at me. But somehow, in the Trinity, they're always pointing to the other, working with the other, having this amazing spirit of unity, mutuality. This is a, the, a holy synergy. It is a key characteristic of the Trinity and of the Holy Spirit, working in unity and synergy. And part of this is a holy revealing of the truths of he who is the truth, which is Jesus. 
I hope and trust that even in the next three weeks, God will reveal things to us through the Holy Spirit. Because this is a key characteristic of who the Holy Spirit is. Revealing things about the future, about current reality, about truth, about where we're confused, even revealing. This morning, I'd like to look at two stories. One is from the Bible, and one is from the life of someone in our congregation to illustrate about how the Spirit of God is a revealer. And we want the Holy Spirit to show us more about who Jesus is. So I'm going to take us to Acts 8. Acts 8 tells us about a guy named Philip. Philip is an ordinary guy. He's faithful. We meet him earlier in Acts when the apostles are preaching so much and doing so many powerful miracles. They're realizing, whoa, we've got to organize. We've got to delegate. And there's so many needs in the community. They need to delegate some of these tasks to trusted other people. So Philip is selected to run a food program. And he's selected because he's wise. He's a leader. And they're looking for someone who's full of the Holy Spirit, which I think is interesting. They need someone who could be trusted to run a food program. And they're like, ah, we need someone who's wise, someone who's trusted, someone who's served before, and someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit to do this very tangible thing, yet so important in their community. So we see that faithfulness in serving, turns out, is really important to God. Faithfulness in serving is very important to God, which is why Philip gets chosen to be a leader in this, in this regard. It, by the way, I just want to shout out that there are a bunch of people here who've been helping out with a food program in our community. God has given to us the food program where together with the residents of uh, the apartment complex near Target in Mountain View, the Caltega Apartments, uh, together with those residents, we've been passing out food uh, for the last, gosh, couple years, um, every other Saturday, and it's such a joy. What a joy. Did I tell you this before? Last time I served there, I met an Azerbaijani man who speaks Korean. It's crazy. And there are people from so many different countries who know, ah, the residents and some other volunteers at the Caltech Apartments, they give out food, really good food, every other Saturday. So people are streaming over, and it's, it's just great to distribute food. Um, so Philip is totally committed to this. He's been distributing food to the appropriate people. He's doing a great job serving and running this food program. But eventually, they have to leave Jerusalem because there's all this persecution, so they head to Samaria. And when they get to Samaria, people have needs. Philip's like, uh, can I pray for you? He begins to pray, people with, pray for people. The Holy Spirit totally shows up in a powerful way. He starts to preach, pray for more people, and then there's just all this stuff happening because the Holy Spirit is moving in their midst. People are being healed, being free from demons. People are coming to have a relationship with Jesus. Uh, Acts 8.8 8 tells us that there was 
great joy in the city. Like, something's going on in this city because of all that God was doing. He's just killing it in this city. Just He's there, and he's like, I used to run a food program. Now I'm praying for people. Now I'm preaching. Whatever you want me to do, God. People are filled with the Holy Spirit. Even Peter and John come. They start helping out. They're like, we could pray for people too. God honors that. There's just blessing that's being poured out in that whole area. Well, some, at some point in the midst of this, an angel comes to Philip and says, hey, you're supposed to go on this road, which, is, and, uh, which goes about 60 miles south of here, on this road to Gaza. And why don't you just do that? So this angel comes and by the Holy Spirit is able to intersect with Philip and go, hey, new agenda item. I want you to do this thing. Now, I just stopped there. I was thinking about how I would feel if that happened. I am the planner of my family. Uh, they call me the concierge. So I like to plan things. And, uh, you know, they, they've, they've gone through some trauma, the, uh, the stuff in Jerusalem, but they're in Samaria, and things are going good. You know, he's getting to partner with Peter and John. That's awesome. And the Spirit's at work. Now, if I get this message, hey, really wonderful, exciting things are happening, but you, you go over here by yourself. You leave Peter and John, and you go over here. I think I might be a little resistant, right? I'd be like, what? We're having a good time. God is at work. God is doing some new things through me. This is all very exciting. But the word of God comes to Philip saying, hey, go in this other direction. But Philip listens and obeys. He's like, take a right turn. Oh, is that you, God? If so, yes, I will do it. Heads down this road, and while he's on the road, he sees a distinguished-looking man in a chariot reading a scroll. So he comes to find that this man is from Ethiopia, and he is a eunuch. Uh, I, part of me wants to kind of step away from that identity for this man, but that's what they call him in this passage, the Ethiopian eunuch. So apparently, many people who were uh, high in um, the uh, administration of Queen Candace, Candace of Ethiopia at that time were eunuchs. I'll just lay that out there and leave it there. He had come to Jerusalem, and he was searching for something. He was confused. He was reading a passage. He couldn't figure it out, a passage of scripture. And I want you to pay attention to what happens when Philip partners with the Holy Spirit to, um, it, as the Holy Spirit is being the revealer. This is in Acts, uh, starting Acts 8, verse 30. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, how can I, unless someone instructs me? He urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb was silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken 
from the earth. So Isaiah, the prophet, wrote hundreds of years ago. And for some reason, this man is like, what does this mean? I think he has kind of a holy curiosity, right? And that's a good thing. I hope you have it and never lose it. I hope you do read the scripture and go, what? What is this? Because that's where we find this guy, and that's where he gets a lot more from God, right? He's perplexed, intrigued about what, what does this scripture mean? And Philip encounters him struggling with the scripture, and he's like, oh, let me tell you. I know what this means. We just went through this with Jesus, right? He'd be like, um, humiliated, receiving no justice, like a sheep to the slaughter. Jesus talked about sheep all the time. Philip's like, I got a thing or two to say to tell you. It's so live in my life right now. Let me just tell you what this means. So um, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Philip's like, let me connect the dots for you. You know what this means? I'll tell you. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. This is a story about how the Holy Spirit is a revealer. You see, Philip's, I mean, uh, the Ethiopian man's eyes are just being opened with the help of Philip and the Holy Spirit. He actually makes the truth about Jesus known, just as Jesus talked about in the Gospel of John. Now, I just want to say that sometimes we have a certain view of what it means to receive revelation from God. Maybe it's because that's how we've uh, had our eyes open before, or that's how our church says you receive revelation, or just that's what makes sense in your head. But I just want to say that there are many different ways to receive revelation from God, receive clarity from God. And I know that having been in this church, uh, I might be tempted to think, oh, God would only speak to me during musical worship, or oh, would only reveal things to me if it involved like a miracle or a miraculous thing, and there has to be a lot of emotion, or one has to be shaking with the Holy Spirit, or whatever it is. I think the, the Presbyterian, grew up in a Presbyterian church, part of me would be like, you can only hear God in a hymn that's at least 100 years old, or in some really well thought out liturgy. Whatever it is, I want you to know that God speaks in so many more ways than we could ever imagine. And sometimes it is through the Holy Spirit opening our eyes to something new, like what is happening to this Ethiopian man. Often, it has to do with our openness to understand scripture and to receive it as a gift for us. You see how this man, he's, he goes from a, a holy perplexedness or curiosity to being open to help and interpretation 
to wanting to respond to it in the most immediate way. He's like, stop the carriage. We need to do something. And apparently, one of the ways that you express that you want to die to your old self and receive new life in Christ is baptism. Let's do it. What would stop me from being baptized right now? And Philip's like, I don't know. It's your carriage. Shall we stop now? And he gets baptized right then and there. God brings clarity to his confusion. And by the way, as we announced, we are having a baptism service in about a month. And um, that is an excellent way to respond to God and say, I want to start following Jesus. And I see and have had my eyes open to the great worthiness of doing that. If you want to learn more about how Jesus is alive, I encourage you to read the next couple chapters in Acts. It's filled with how the Holy Spirit is revealing things all over the place. Let's go back to what I asked you to think about at the beginning of my sermon, where I said, where is an area in your life where you could use some clarity or revelation from God? Where, uh, is there an area where you're confused, um, where you yearn for more wisdom and clarity from God? I just want to say to you about that specific area, God yearns to give you more clarity. God yearns to open up your life and give you his revelation through the Holy Spirit. That is the promise of the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that it's like a magic eight ball and then you take it and you go, buy this apartment or get this apartment or live in, live in Cupertino or Sunnyvale. Doesn't work like that. But God is yearning to give you more revelation. And I want to say two practical things about how it often works, receiving revelation from God. First of all, before clarity comes, there's usually an opportunity for obedience. We see that even in this story where um, Philip has an opportunity to go down the road to Gaza and he could choose to do it or not. Uh, also, the Ethiopian eunuch has an opportunity to say, it's all right, I'll just figure it out myself, or not even be all that intrigued. But he's clearly very intrigued and says, you, come here, help me. Right? Usually, there's an opportunity to respond and to be obedient to God. Obedience may be action based on trust before you receive that revelation. So, you know, sometimes I used to think that God takes a nice big ball of revelation of truth and clarity and sticks it in a California King uh, pillowcase and then take, puts it at the bottom of that pillowcase and like maybe ties it up and then whacks you over the head with it. Is that how God works? Sometimes, but usually not. Usually he invites you. Do you want more from me? Whether it is his gift of revelation or anything. And he responds when people say, yes, Lord, I'm asking you for help. Give me more clarity. I'll learn from this person. 
right? Usually there's opportunity to take a step and to obey before um, revelation comes. Secondly, often revelation comes one step at a time. You notice how uh, the angel and the Holy Spirit, they, they don't say, okay, here's the whole plan of what's going to happen. And you're going to meet this guy, and then there's going to be water afterwards, and blah, 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 blah. No, it's just one step at a time. This path, this chariot, this scripture, God's leading him, but it's not the whole shebang all in one time. It's a process. I was thinking about how oftentimes in my role as pastor, people come to me for advice, for wisdom from God. And hey, you know, now and then people are like, can I meet with you? And I want to get some input about something personal. How do you think I would feel and what my posture would be if someone came to me for advice and said, Pastor Susan, can we find a time at the church office? Let's sit down and meet. There's this area of my life I just, wow, I really, I need some wisdom and clarity. Um, but I just want to let you know that I have very low confidence that you're going to give me good wisdom. I'm not really that interested in listening to you. I may or may not pay attention while we talk. I might act on what you say, but maybe not. I'm not even sure I remember what you told me last time. <laughs> What's your sense of what my eagerness would be to share my thoughts and <laughs> my insights with this person? Maybe low. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'd be like, let's just start by listening to you. <laughs> Revelation is a two-way street. We prepare ourselves for revelation by trusting God, by being open to God, by asking God, by acting on what God says. Am I right? Might there be places in your life where you are wishing for revelation from God, but not really all that open to our Heavenly Father, sending his Holy Spirit to you to follow Jesus in the areas of your life. That might be a good heart check to see if you are sitting there wishing. And in this way, wishing is not where you want to be. There's wishing that you had more clarity, but then there's acting on, trusting, being open to, obeying, following God so that we can receive wisdom, and revelation from God. Do you, you feel me? I think there are a few things that come to my mind. I'm like, oh, man, I really, really, really wish I had and need clarity from God. Well, Susan, have you asked him? Have you prayed about it? Have you prayed about it just once? Was it just a little prayer? Did you sit there and really wait on God? And if he told you one part of it, would you actually act on it? The path of trusting God is the path of receiving the Holy Spirit for revelation. And I hope that this sermon is giving you more yearning. More, I hope you're saying, yeah, I need help and clarity from God. Well, the Holy Spirit is there. It's just that's a big part of his job. That he yearns to bring that to you. 
as we are in the rightful place of pursuing that and receiving that. I would like to invite my friend, Yang Shichu, to come up and share her story about how she experienced that in her life. Let's give her a little support. <laughs> Hello. Oh, it's on. Okay, well, I woke up very early this morning because I suddenly realized I had agreed to give a testimony. And I thought, why did I do that? Um, but um, on January the 25th of this year, I had a very odd dream. I dreamt that James and I and our children were visiting some nameless European city. And in my dream, I have a good friend called Antonia, um, in my dream, I somehow knew that Antonia's mother was living there, so we decided to pay her a visit in that odd way of dreams. Um, in real life, Antonia's parents live in Croatia, and though I've met them a few times over the years, they don't actually speak English, so we've never been able to have a proper conversation. So this is my dream. In my dream, we went to this apartment, and it was a very peculiar place. It was made of red brick, and it went down into the ground and up, and then up into the sky. And Antonia's mother came to see us. She walked down the staircase very, very slowly. And I remember, in the peculiar way of dreams, that her feet were bare, and she was having trouble stepping down. And we were able to talk to each other. She showed me around. It was a perfectly ordinary weird occurrence, and she said, this is my apartment, this is the room that Antonia stays in when she visits me. And I looked at it, I've never been to Croatia, by the way, um, and it was a really nice guest room, and what I remembered were that, was that the bed sheets, the linens were this beautiful sky blue. And after the visit, um, I was getting ready to go off, and we we're like, bye, nice to see you. She said to me, if you see Antonia, tell her to come and visit me. And after that, I woke up. When I woke up, I thought, this is such a peculiar dream. I think I'd better call Antonia. So I did. Um, Antonia is, was in London, so she's eight hours ahead of me. It was afternoon for her. And I was like, well, you know, really sorry to call you, but I had this strange dream about your mother. And then she said, hold on one second. I'm sorry, we were texting. She said, I'm in my daughter's ballet class. Let me go out of the class and let's call. So we called each other on the wonderful free WhatsApp app, you know? And I was like, oh, yeah, Antonia, let me tell you, this is very random, blah, blah, blah. This is what happened. And then I told her about my dream. And to my surprise and um, horror, she started to cry. She cried. And she said, um, so I was like, oh, no, you know, what happened? Really sorry about this. Um, but she said last night, the night before, she said she had talked to her mother, and her mother had just been diagnosed with colon cancer. And she said, I haven't told anyone, um, but I, I'm really struck by this. So I said, I'm very, very sorry to hear this. Um, and we talked a bit more. So it turns out that... Um, Antonia herself had not seen her mum since the summer before. So it was, as I said, it was January. She hadn't seen her mother since June because they moved to London. And she didn't go back at Christmas, but her sister had called her and said, you know, mum doesn't look so good. 
which her parents do not like doctors, so she hadn't had a colonoscopy. And so long story short, they went for an exam and they had just found um, that she had cancer. So uh, Antonia said thank you for passing this dream on and that she would have been thinking of going to visit her mother the next month after they had an operation schedule. But she said, I'm going to change my timeline and I'm going to go and see her next week instead. Um, so she did. And I said, I will pray for you. Uh, I'll keep you in my prayers. So a few weeks later, um, Antonia and I were texting and then she said, I'm back from Croatia. Let's catch up. And I said, okay. So we talked a bit and she told me she said she was really glad that she'd gone to see her mum because her mother had, when, they, when she told her the diagnosis, had said in the way that many mothers do that, I am fine, it's okay, you don't have to rush and see me, you can see me afterwards. She said, I am so glad for your dream because when I went to see my mum, she was really not doing very well. She was quite ill. She was very happy to see me. And... Um, Antonia also shared other things because what happened when I woke up was I wrote the dream down and then later after we talked, I texted her the dream. And she said there were a number of strange things. So her parents had moved since she had last seen them. They'd moved to a new apartment. That she, and she said the apartment they went to, um, you have to go to it through an underground garage. You have to go down into the ground and then up. And I was like, oh, okay. And I said, Is it, was it made of brick by any chance? She's like, no, it was a modern building. So I was like, I don't know, you can scratch that detail. Um, and, but she did also say the other strange thing was she said, when she went to the guest room, she said, you know, in your dream, didn't you say that the walls of the room were painted blue? But it wasn't that case. The bed sheets were blue. And I was like, no, 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 no. Look, 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 look. It was the bed sheets. So that we had this little aha moment. Um, but at the end of it, I think um, her, what she told me was that the dream was an incredible comfort, not just to herself, but to her sisters. Um, she said it made her feel that no matter how difficult it was, that God knew all and that he was taking care of her mom. And one of her sisters actually was enormously skeptical and had said to Antonio when she'd mentioned, my friend had a dream, she's like, your friend made this all up. You know, and then Antonia had shared the dream and stuff, and she's like, "Oh, okay, those details. I don't know how to explain this. Um, I don't know how to explain that either." And um, I talked to Antonia when Susan had asked me to share. I asked her, "Would it be all right to share this dream?" And she said, "Please share it because it has been enormously helpful to her." Um, now. I cannot explain this dream. I do not often hear from God. Very, very seldom have I thought that happened. Um, sometimes decades will pass. I am humbled and grateful it was helpful to her. And the timing of this dream was actually quite significant to me. As I mentioned, this happened in January, and in December, I myself had passed through a crisis of faith in which I felt bitterly disappointed that perhaps I had been deluding myself that God existed. You know, I was not raised in a Christian household. I became a Christian when I came to university in America, and my parents, who were abroad, quite frankly thought I joined a cult. So <laughs> over the years, I may, I've wondered that myself. I've questioned my faith, and I wonder whether God does indeed speak to us. 
But I do know that, weirdly, in res- I almost feel like in response to my crisis in December, I thought, God, do you not speak to me? I had been hoping for a dream for myself. I did not get that. Um, but I was very, very, I didn't say humbled and grateful to have received something which helped my friend. So I was listening to Susan's sermon this morning and I thought, um, she's absolutely right in the sense that I think stepping out in God is never, there's never actually, I would love to be hit on the head with a pillow. (laughs) But it's always like one or two steps at a time. And I do think that, you know, waking up, being willing to maybe share this dream with my friend um, and then having her follow up with me, us following up with each other and praying for each other was just enormously wonderful. So thank you very much. You know, this world is a very mysterious place and the path of faith is very mysterious. And whatever part of you or me that might want a formula of how exactly it works, God bless us all. (laughs) Because there is no formula, but there is truth. And the truth is, the Holy Spirit is a revealer. And God wants to give us wisdom and clarity. We have to trust him for how and when. And part of that trust is being willing to take faithful action, and giving God the glory and getting to know the Holy Spirit more as we do. Amen.